when you're doing this job, when you're pastoring, when you're when you're giving the word, uh, one thing that that you really have to do, you have to follow what God gives you because you can't you can't please everybody. You know, there's, there's people have different needs, different wants, different tastes. So you have to give what God has and let Him sort out all the rest. You know, but that doesn't keep you from thinking about, you know, what kind of a job am I doing? Am I doing a, am I keeping you entertained? Am I keeping you engaged? Are you getting something from it? And honestly, a lot of times when I look out here amongst the crowd, it's really hard to tell because most of you just look like this. So, I just have to do what I do and give it to God and, and hope for the best. And um, so, like I said, a lot of times I think about these different things. You know, it's like, am, am I overdriving a point? Am I going over things over and over again? Am I really, am I, am I taking it too far? You know, are we getting it? Are we not getting it here? And um, so, I was talking to God a little bit about this subject, and he uh responded back a bit. So this is what we got a little bit of that conversation and some other things mixed in for this message. So the title of today's message is, is to watch, to do, and to teach. And we'll see how that comes into play in just a little bit. First, let's go to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to be able to bring this message today, Father. I just ask you to open the hearts and minds to receive it, to take myself out of the way, Father, and let your tribe message shine through. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So, uh, let me give you some examples here. Um, if you're working with a horse, they require training. And the more that you, you work with them, the better they do. If you go through the individual steps of how to turn, how to stop, how to back up, how to go forward, how to change speeds, each time you do it, you go through the same processes again over and over again because repetition makes improvement. It makes it where it becomes second nature. And if you've worked with a horse that's had a lot of training, you'll see this really quick because they'll be able to do the things with very little input from you. They know what the cues are. I have a dog that's well trained and she does all kind of tricks and she's very eager to please. So if she knows she's going to perform for you, a lot of times she will start going through her gamut of tricks before you even ask her to, knowing that she wants to please you and knowing these are the things you're going to ask of her and she'll go through it. And uh, we do the same thing in our, our careers. Our talents that we do, things that we do over and over again, we get better the more we do them. Uh, I've been doing carpenter work now for almost two years now. And from where I first started to where I'm at now, I have gained knowledge in it. I have, through trial and error, through experiencing different things, through educating myself, and a lot of things in the beginning that were a problem for me are now not a problem at all. I've worked myself through the situation and can overcome the difficulties that I've had. I've added to my skill set and can do a lot of different things that I couldn't do when I first started. I've increased my productivity. I've 
upgraded my equipment. Everything has evolved over this time, but it all started from doing the same things over and over again. The basic techniques just you work up from there. I hope that you see, as even as a pastor, that I have increased in quality and performance through practice, through evolving how I do things. And I don't know how it's translating on that side of the podium, but for me up here, um, there's a, a lot less notes. When I first started this, I'd have four or five pages worth, and I could literally go through the whole entire thing word for word before I'd ever step foot up here, know exactly how many minutes it was going to take, and everything was planned out to the T. And now I scribble a few words down on a piece of paper, and we go with it. And I hope there's an improvement there. And I'm sure that all of us has seen these things in our lives. You know, anytime we start doing something new, it takes a little bit to get the hang of it, to master that skill. And even something we've did for a while, it takes repetition, doing it over and over again, to be able to, to master it. And that's what I've been trying to do over this past year, is taking the, the fundamentals, the basic teachings and starting there and working on them. So my question was to God is okay, how do I know when enough's enough that we've mastered these skills? I can't rely on your facial expressions. So what are we going to do? And uh, you know God speaks in many different ways. You know we get it a direct connection, and you hear the, the still fall voice from the inside, and a lot of times God can even speak to you through other outlets. He speaks to you through other people, through other means, through just your interactions, your conversations, just life. I mean, God is a big part of it, so God is everything about it. So, of course, he has his hands in every single thread. So the people that we encounter, the things we talk about, the things we do, these things are not by chance. God has a lesson for us in everything, in all these things that we do. To watch, to do, to teach. This is a thing they use in the medical field when they're training a new doctor, training a new surgeon, when they're going through procedures, you should watch the procedure, you should do the procedure, and then be able to teach the procedure. And to expand a little more on that is, most people consider to be able to teach mastery of a subject. Now, don't take this the wrong way. By no means am I saying I am a master of the subject because I am up here teaching. Far from it. I'm learning right along with you. I'm literally just one page ahead of you. And the subject matter we are talking about is unmasterable. No matter how much time, no matter how much you do, we cannot master the Word of God. It is too vast. 
There is too much for us. There is too much for our simple human minds to be able to comprehend. God tells us one day we will have all the answers. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't keep from trying to gather all the information about our Lord and Savior, about God, about everything that He has for us, about the kingdom of heaven, and then start applying it to our lives. Because that's what He wants us to do. So we can take this watch, do, and teach approach when we're talking about serving God. The watch is what we're doing right now. We are taking in the Word. The do is taking that and building upon it through your own prayer, through your own self-study, through your own meditation, through your own learning. And the teach is being able to take all of that and be able to use it in your lives. To use it in such a way that it shows. To use it in, a, in a, such a way that when people see what you're doing and want to know what the difference is, you're able to articulate what that is. You're able to articulate how great God is and how God functions in your life. Because if you had to break it down, what is some of the biggest breakdowns, the biggest walls and barriers that come between us and God, it's a lack of knowledge. It's not knowing who God is. And the second thing is fear. So, we're going to look at these two things today. Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. But now saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. For I have called thee by thy name, thou art as mine. When thou passest through waters, I will be with thee, and through thy rivers I shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through fire, I shall not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Fear not is used over 80 times in the Bible. We're not going to go over all 80 of them today. Seeing the panic that happens when things go a little bit out of balance, a little bit out of the norm, when there's a, a small threat of something happening. We see it when a storm is approaching, that the, uh, the shells become bare. People stock up on water and milk. Still don't know why they stick up on milk. And gas. They buy up lights and generators. And many times, the storm just passes right on by or unscathed. Seems like every few years there's always something. Something in the news that's on the, the thoughts 
of everyone's lives? Is it is this one thing going to be the end of the world? Remember Y2K. All the clocks were going to turn over and the calendar was going to flip and technology was going to shut down and the world was going to come to an end. And when that hour came, nothing happened. We've had the bird flu, the flying flu, the H1N1, the LMNOP, the whatever you want to call all these different threats. And the latest and greatest is the coronavirus. People are stocking up. You know, you can't even go into town and get a bottle of rubbing alcohol because people are hoarding up rubbing alcohol. Because of something that's not even happened. People are putting their lives on hold because of something that's not even happened. Because of the fear. Faith cannot operate in fear. And fear is Satan's biggest weapon. An illusion. That's all he has is an illusion. God tells us to fear not. And Satan says to be scared. Be scared of this. Be scared of that. Be scared of all these what ifs. What ifs? What if I don't have enough? What if I get sick? We can't control the what ifs. We cannot prepare for every situation. But what we can do is, is trust in our Father that tells us to fear not that He has everything in His control. That He is taking care of us just the way He takes care of the little birds. Brother Cater's not here today. And uh, I'll go ahead and talk about him since he's not here so you won't know the difference because he was, whenever he was teaching me he said, no, don't direct things at people. Well, he's not here, so... But no, we're going to take something bad and use it for good. Uh, so we had a little health problem, had to have a little bit of surgery. Now the thing is, never saw that coming. Never saw that coming until one day he woke up with a pain. And he needed to go to the doctor. And then they run tests and they say, well, this is what needs to happen. But we don't see people on the news saying to get your gallbladder checked. We don't say to get your appendix checked up. Because these are just things that just sporadically happen. Happens all the time. And yes, disease can be scary because people die from it. But far more people have died from the normal everyday flu and the common cold than they have of this new epidemic. But the hype, because it's something new. 
James 4, 2 and 3. Ye lust, and ye have not. Ye kill, and desire to have. Ye cannot obtain. Ye fight, and war, yet not have. Because ye have not asked not. Ye ask, and not receive, because ye amiss, and ye consume it amongst your lusts. Because ye asked not. Now, in this same week, come across a person that's having a little bit of distress, I could say. I mean, no more than in any of us encounter at some point in time. But you know how you get into these little ruts where it seems like it's just one thing after another. You know, the, the car breaks down, the kids get sick, the, something else happens, you know, the, say bad things come in three, well, you didn't have your three times three, and, and all these things just keep coming against you. And then you have the notion to say things like, well, God is just not taking care of me. Because that's our, our default way that we turn. And that's how Satan wants us to think. Yes, God has forsaken you. God is not doing what he says. God does not keep his promises. i got to ask you, why are we here? Because I hope each and every one of you believe that God does keep his promises because he says so in his word and God cannot lie. So if God cannot lie, God is doing what his part is, the problem has to be with us. And we don't want to look at that. We don't want to see that, that we might be the problem, that we might be the weak link because Nobody wants to be less than. Nobody wants to be not up to par. Nobody don't want to make the mark. So it's easier to blame God. We've been talking about the fundamentals. How do we transfer to God what we need, i.e. prayer, and how do we get our prayers heard and answered? We've been talking about all these little steps that happen along the way. So, it's been my goal in my personal life to start questioning things. When I turn to God and something doesn't happen, I want to know why. I want to know for the next time because I don't want to fall short because of my doings. You know, and I've reflected back many times. How many times has something happened and we simply did not ask? We do so many things on our own. We charge headlong into things. And if we'd only took a moment to consult with God before we make that decision, before we go into that situation, before we do anything, to, first of all, seek his wisdom and his guidance. To seek his approval. And also to be able to bring the power of the kingdom of heaven down to our lives. Remember, 
God cannot work for us if we don't allow him. We have to invite him in. We have to say, okay, God, I turn it over to you. Let you have it. How many times do we simply not do it? How many times is God our last resort instead of our first line of defense? Talking to the person the other day. And you can kind of feel people out. There's times when people are, are willing to listen and their minds are open and you can give them some godly advice. That you can make some suggestions that maybe that they could change things a little bit. And things would start going a little differently if they added more God to their equation. And in other times, it's like beating your head against the wall because they are completely closed off, their minds made up, and nothing you can do and change. So sometimes I talk and sometimes I listen. When they talk about things like, well, why is not God doing this for me? And my question is, what are you doing for him? What kind of relationship do you have? Is it a back and forth? Or is it one-sided? Go back to my, uh, my animal training example. You take that horse or that dog and you're working with it. It's expecting something from you. You're expecting something from it and it's expecting something from you. You want it to perform a certain way and in return it wants to be taken care of. It wants that treat. It wants that touch. It wants that praise. There is something that motivates it to want to please you and you're Wanting something from it in return. It's a back and forth. It's a relationship. Same thing with our friends and our family. It's a back and forth. It's a relationship. And with God, it is a relationship. You know, we wouldn't just go to a stranger on the street and ask him for something. Well, some of us would. But... As a social norm, that is not the case. Because there's no established relationship. You wouldn't invite a stranger to your home and ask them to hang drywall because you don't know their qualifications. You don't know if they're trustworthy. We do research. We form some kind of a bond to start off with. But yet with God, we expect Him to just perform Perform, perform without us doing anything in return, without putting anything out there. Things are not going right with God. You don't think He's doing you right. My question is what are you doing for Him? How often are you worshiping Him in His house? How often are you praying to Him? 
My finances. My finances are not going right. Well, how can you expect them to if you're not doing your part to sanctify what you have? God doesn't need our money. But what He does is need us to make an offering to allow the remainder of our money to be able to work through the power of the kingdom of heaven. So I'm reiterating and I'm going to continue to keep reiterating because every time I think that I've said enough God shows me there is more He shows me more in His Word He shows me more pieces that need to come together to make a bigger and a bigger picture and then He shows me people that is not getting it. Why are we so reluctant to try? You know, it's amazing the things we'll do. We'll put some brand new food in our mouths that we ain't never had before that could be a potentially the, the worst things you ever ate. You know, these things called delicacies that people eat Live octopuses and raw bats and these different things, which is, by the way, how a lot of these diseases get started. You know, we take them kind of chances. You know, there's uh, one of those little sushi things you have to swallow it all at one time because it's poisonous. If you don't do it and get it to your stomach acids, it can kill you. But that's something people will try. There is literally hundreds of diets and diet pills and all kinds of these different things that's supposed to make us better, stronger, speed up the process, you know, take away all the hard work so we can get the image that we want. And we find out that a lot of this stuff has not been tested, it's not good for us and now are causing long-term effects but yet we are eager to try something like this recreational drugs illegal drugs we all know that they are harmful but yet every day people die become addicted because they want to try it well here we are we have all these grand things that God is just telling us to give it a try and there's no downside to it there's no downside to it you know first of all if we follow it to the letter we do exactly what God tells us to do. It's going to work every single time. But yet we don't want to try. And if we fail, there is no adverse effects. Putting your faith in God is not going to give you cancer. 
It's not going to make you contract a disease. It's not going to make you lose a fortune. It's not going to make you lose your friends. There's no downside to faith. Not one. If you're in faith, if you exercise it properly, there is not one downside to it. But we have such a hard time getting into it. We have such a hard time giving it a try. Worried about what? What we're going to miss out on? And especially us here now. Now maybe a, a brand new person off the street that's never really been strong in religion. You know, they got a good point because, you know, they don't want to be one of these Bible thumpers. They don't want to lose out on the time, you know, because now they're going to have to start going to church and, and spending all this time. And, and, you know, is it really for real? And these kind of things. I mean, I get that. They got some doubt they can work with there. You know, I can understand that. But what about the rest of us? What about the rest of us now that's been in church that we... Make it here most of the times that we spend time reading the word, that we pray, that we do all these things. What is our excuse? Why are we not fully committed? Why are we not all in? Why are we not willing to give it a try? What keeps us from making today a new day? Saying that. I'm going to do everything that I can to follow the Word of God. That I'm going to start putting all my faith and trust into Him. And I'm going to live by that for a while. Who here is successful living in fear? Come on, raise your hands. Nobody? Nobody's doing good in fear. Has fear ever brought anything good out from you? The only thing fear has ever done for me is made me turn to God stronger because I was so scared of what this other side looks like. That's the only thing positive about fear is that when it's so scary over here in the dark that the only thing you can do is run to the light. I want to see change. I want to see light. Fear should not be a factor. Our God is bigger than anything, any illusion that Satan can throw at us. Bow with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity again today, Father. We just thank you for your word. We thank you for your blessings in it, Father. We ask for, for a stronger faith, Father. We know that there'll be times of trouble. We know there'll be fear that'll be thrown from us, Father. We ask for a, a internal faith, Father, that these words, these promises that you've given us will be etched on our hearts, Father, that we can recall from them at any time, that that will be our new normal, Father, that we have nothing to fear. And Father, I ask for, for patience for all of us, Father, as we are learning. That if we have to, to back up to move forward, if we have to 
do things over and over again, Father, that we will not become bored, Father, that we will not become troublesome, that we will all be strong in our learning process, Father, that it will be building blocks and with a strong foundation to which we can keep building and growing and becoming stronger as individuals, as a church, and as sons and daughters of you, Father. We thank you for these things and ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Page 17 of your hymnals, please stand.